0: Welcome to Bite-sized, a cybersecurity Q&A presented to you by Kroll & Mooring. Our goal is to take the complex world of government contract cybersecurity and break it down into bite-sized pieces. My name is Kate Growley.
1: And I'm Evan Wolf. Every other week, we'll take one question that we frequently hear from our clients and give you a short, simple answer and explain why it matters. And this week, we're very honored to have a guest and colleague, Matthew Welling. And he's going to be talking about ransomware this week.
0: So, Matt, for the uninitiated, would you mind starting us off to explain what the heck ransomware is? It's been all over the news recently.
1: Ransomware, for those who have been fortunate enough to not have to deal with it, it's a type of malware designed to deny either an individual user or kind of a bigger organization access to their files or to computers or systems, typically by adding encryption on top of them. After which the actors typically will send a note or some other communication demanding a ransom payment in order to decrypt it. The pieces as this involved, it's involved, that's important to note is, anymore this isn't just sort of one piece of malware. These are multiple stage attacks with uh, bad actors using kind of a number of tools. And over time, and especially of late, these actors have gotten to be more aggressive. It's one of the reasons we are seeing them in the news more and are also adding sort of additional activities to try to extract value, like data exfil, extortion, other things like that. So when you hear ransomware in the news, it's sort of all of those things wrapped together, but, but those are the basics. That's great, thank you, Matt. So that sounds really bad, and what should companies be doing to prepare for a ransomware incident? Are there things they can prepare for? There are. And we typically think about them kind of in three buckets, that kind of technical steps, administrative steps, and then things that are legally focused. So within the, the technical box, it'd be things like ensuring that you have appropriate tools on your network, you know, your firewalls, antivirus, your input detection response systems, that you're adding multi-factor authentication to your systems for users, and, and then even once you're in your network for sensitive things, and then just general technical steps like Making sure appropriate software patches are in place, that you're staying on top of upgrades, you don't have sort of outdated or, or out of port software or systems. On the administrative side, it's, it's things like ensuring that you have a proper plan in place if there is an attack. So an incident response plan, a lot of times there are aspects of crisis management plans that come in. You know, If you can't get to your systems, do you have another way to contact each other? once you have those plans, to practice them. So things like tabletop exercise and other simulations. So if an incident occurs, it's not everybody's first time sort of going through those motions. Because these are so public, a communications plan is often part of it to get messaging out or to deal with inquiries, as well as just sort of general internal governance practices and escalation processes. So as this gets noticed or that something's going on, that it can be elevated to the appropriate decision makers quickly. And then behind all that are are some of the kind of more specifically legal issues, like if there has been an incident, how a privileged investigation can be started, what are the guidelines for protecting that, stand on top of advisories and and other documents that may sort of change what a standard of care is for your organization, as well as where you are working with outside counsel that those issues are sort of already teed up, and and you have outside counsel that you work with on on things like running an investigation, or if you need to do notifications to government or to regulators. Those are all things that are helpful to be thinking about ahead of time.
0: Thanks, Matt. And the good news is is that a lot of those things sound really similar to the sorts of information security practices that government contractors would be already thinking about because of their contractual requirements. But if, if they weren't already focused on that, preparation for ransomware is just one more reason to get on top of it. What do we do, Matt, when despite all of that preparation, despite all of those best efforts, a ransomware incident still occurs?
1: If an incident has occurred, there are a few things that are important kind of right out of the gates, and that's sort of understanding what's going on, um, that that steps are being taken quickly to sort of contain the attack and protect systems that may have not have been impacted, especially backups um, and and other pieces that are gonna be important to recovery. But while doing all this, it's really important to be preserving evidence you know whether that's those are log files or not shutting down a system because you'll lose some of that memory and, and all those technical steps, as well as that there are decisions about you know whether to pay and if the organization has the ability to pay. That kind of leadership and, and legal are going to be focused on some of the things that will help sort of inform that. Are you know is there an ability to restore? Was there data loss? What was lost? And here often because these are sort of very specialized attacks that it may be helpful to engage outside counsel and through that outside counsel some expert forensic vendors to, to help with this recovery and that can help with attribution because specific actors there may be different tools available to help investigate and recover as well as for insurance and other purposes that 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 can be helpful i'll also be thinking about you know engagement with law enforcement and other contacts in government where that's appropriate and then ensure that you're kind of outside of that first moment that the appropriate technical steps are being put into place, that things are being updated so this doesn't spread and thinking about what it means to get to kind of quote unquote safe because it will probably be somewhere along a spectrum because you're not gonna go from you know fully encrypted to 100% sure that the threat actor is out of your network all at once. But for your organization, what does safe look like in terms of being able to restore operations and serve your customers? A couple of things just to flag, to deal with external communications. I mentioned the plan earlier, but sort of in the heat of battle, so to speak, you still wanna make sure that everything's being centralized and the the appropriate people are are making those contacts, whether that's to to media, to customers, to government, or anybody else. A couple other things just to to keep in mind, with all of this, there's been a lot of government activity in this space recently, and to be looking at those pieces of information to the extent they influence your your standard of care, your contractual reviews that you're going out. Some of the big ones recently, CISA out of DHS had an alert following the the dark side attack on on Colonial Pipeline that has a lot of the steps that they're recommending be taken proactively. And then, if you're having decisions to pay, it's important to look at some of the guidance that came out of Treasury recently about anti money laundering and sanctions related issues. Those are the things you're going to be thinking about kind of right out of the gates, and and then working with your team from there to play it as you further investigate. Thanks, Matt. That's really helpful and very comprehensive answer. So for people that are furiously taking notes, is there anything that we have that can help them? Yeah, we've recently put together a ransomware checklist to help with this initial issue spotting and some of the things we've talked about, which is available at our website, pro.com and hopefully will help spot some of these issues and help you respond.
0: Thanks, Matt. Really appreciate you joining us. I imagine this is not going to be the last time that we ask you to guest star on our podcast here because you're a wealth of knowledge. But in the meantime, thank you all for joining Bite Size Q&A. We'll be back in your feed in two weeks with a new question and a simple explanation. And you can find more information, as Matt said, about us on our website. We will also see if we can link that checklist in the show notes below. So check it out there. If you have any suggestions, though, in the meantime, for questions that we should cover, please do let us know. I can be reached at 202-624-2698. Evan is at 202-624-2615. And Matt's at 202-624-2588. Thanks so much.
1: This has been Bite Size Q&A a podcast brought to you by Kroll & Mooring. You can find more information at kroll.com slash cyberpodcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review.